This is the Unnamed Financial Podcast, a crash course in financial literacy. If you feel left out of the markets, join me, Matt Gregory, and stock market expert Peter Raschuti from Tulane University as we navigate the basics of Wall Street. And the reason everybody listens to the Fed so much here in D.C., I mean, I think the best thing you could do is to go out and try to uh, befriend Jerome Powell. I don't know how you would do it, Matt, but you might just... You want to become a squash partner? You want to do something like that? <laughs> because if you knew where interest rates were going, you could be a very, very good investor. On this week's episode, what are interest rates? And this week in the markets, what did Fed Chairman Jerome Powell have to say about those pesky interest rates? No, that's not a setup to a joke, but after you hear how the markets reacted, you might wish it was. Let's get right back into it. Joining us, as always, on the podcast, Peter Raschuti, our stock market expert down in New Orleans. Peter, how are you today? Doing well, doing well. You got your shots, Matt? I got my, uh, I got the one shot, the the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So I'm ready to oh. go out in the world. Oh my God, you're on the lightning round one. That is, uh, that is. I got my shots. I'm, uh, I'm housebroken. I, uh, <laughs> I, I have not been neutered. I, I did say no to that, but I'm ready to be adopted. So uh, it's, it's all going well. I was going to say, now that I, I have my uh, my vaccine, I think it's time I go out and smell everyone's breath and lick every doorknob. <laughs> just, <laughs> just that would be an happens. ad for Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> See, we're on to something beyond this podcast. But one of the things we wanted to talk about today was something we've been like hitting around just about every podcast with. Um, it's an invisible hand of the market that has such a big effect on it. Interest rates. Peter, what are interest rates? Well, you know... One of the top financial minds in this country over the years in the world has been William Shakespeare. And he did say, uh, he did say neither a borrower nor a lender be. And, uh, but the truth of the matter is you're both. Uh, you may not think you're both, but you're on both sides of this coin. Uh, on the, you probably know that you're a borrower because you might have a mortgage and, a, and credit card debt. And we'll start with that side. Uh, if you have a mortgage, uh, the, the housing market is what drives the economy. It's the biggest, biggest component in here. And so uh, what happens is the higher the rates are, the uh, less activity and the lower homes are worth because it really isn't determined by the value. The value of the home is determined by your monthly, uh, your monthly payment and your monthly payment goes up and down according to interest rates. So that's a really big deal. Uh, one of the things about mortgages, by the way, Matt, is they're kind of not what you think they are. Like you go into a bank and you get a mortgage and you think they're the lender and it really doesn't work that way. You go in, they, uh, they agree to terms, they say they look forward to um, working with you for the next 30 years, and then they toss a little Jimmy's hair, and by the <laughs> time you're in the parking lot, they've sold your mortgage. So it is, and it goes into the, uh, goes into the market and people buy mortgage-backed securities. You might remember this from the movie, The Big Short, uh, which um, was written by a New Orleans guy, uh, Michael Lewis. He wrote Liar's Poker and uh, yeah. uh, Moneyball, all this, very proud of that guy. And, um, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. I, I ran into, we had graduated, was a couple of years ago. Uh, graduation was the middle of May and I ran into one of my students in early July. And, uh, and I asked him, what do you do? And he says, well, my job on Wall Street doesn't start till August, so I'm sticking around town. I said, well, what, do you, what do you do with yourself? He goes, well, I'm an extra in a movie. The movie's in town. And we, we were one of the biggest makers of um, movies here for a long, long time. And uh, I said, well, what are you in right now? He says, well, I'm shooting a movie called The Big Short. And uh, he goes, it's not out yet, but I just wanted to let, and I said, what part do you have? I'll look for it. And he goes, I'm a Goldman Sachs employee and I'm laying by the pool with a, um, with a, a cup that says Caesar's Palace on it. And I said, that's so great. And he goes, oh, it's better than that. 
Um, here I was playing a Goldman Sachs employee and I didn't get the job at Goldman Sachs. So it's like, <laughs> it's like take that Goldman Sachs. So, uh, what anyway. irony. So, so that's the mortgage side. Uh, and then the other side is the credit card side. And this is very important because it reflects how much uh, borrowing you're doing, sometimes for big ticket items, like a, um, things like, uh, look at rates of things like cars and, and all of that. Uh, that's where interest rates are so, so, so important. And, um, and what, we, what we're seeing in here is that's the, the borrowing side, uh, and very, very important. But the lending side, you're thinking to yourself, there's no way I'm involved in that. I'm not a lender. Well, you are, though. Uh, when you buy a bond, uh, you're basically lending money to, uh, uh, to investors. When you buy a bank CD, you're lending money uh, to the bank. When you buy a money market fund, you're lending money to investors. So, um, and one of the things is interest rates are determined by the lender. Mm -hmm. uh, what rate will they take to um, let you borrow their assets? And that's that's where we um, that's where we are. And you know, everybody talks about the Federal Reserve, and it's very very important. Uh, the Federal Reserve determines something called the Fed funds rate, Matt, and that's just a very esoteric thing. It's when banks operate. At the end of the day, they need to have a certain percentage of their their portfolio in in cash. Okay. So at the end of the day, if they're low, they'll borrow from other banks that have too much money, and they'll go back and forth. And that's the Fed funds rate. So what happens is if you raise the Fed funds rate, it becomes more expensive to be borrowing overnight like that. And so you're less likely to lend out money. So, so that's, uh, um, that's it. I was going to say very basically an interest rate, whenever you lend someone something, there's no value in it if you don't get something in return. That's what the interest rate right. is. It's like I gave you money, but I expect to see a little bit more in return. Otherwise, why would you lend money to people just out of right. the kindness of your heart? Uh, and that's called the principle. You know, you borrow, you let them uh, borrow these, this money. You expect to get that back at the end plus the interest. And that's, um, and that's a, you know, as a good rule of thumb, Matt, for, for listeners, though, is uh, always uh, borrow money from a pessimist because um, they don't expect to get it back, which is a good <laughs> It's a good rule. Cool finance tip. I was going to say, as you look at that interest rate, so um, I think the most people here interact on a regular basis or see it in their lives, other than when they see their mortgage statement or car payment or you know maybe their bond, the most that they see it is generally from uh, the Fed saying, we're going to raise interest rates. Uh, explain how you know they may hear, oh, it's we, we're hearing that interest rates are at all-time lows. That's not the interest rate they're going to get when they go in to get a loan, is it? Right. No, they're going to they're going to borrow at a rate plus that because uh, these banks, when they're loaning money back and forth to each other, well, they're banks, you know, they're in, they have to be in pretty good shape. You and I, maybe not so much. So uh, uh, banks loan money at what's called the prime rate. And then uh, Matt and Peter borrow money at what's called prime plus, which is to take into account a little bit of risk that you're uh, they're taking by by lending money to us. Uh, another way to think about that is bonds. When you go to buy a bond. Um, the higher, the worse condition that issue, uh, uh, that, that borrower is, you're going to demand a higher rate of interest. So sometimes every bond will have a rating to it. There's Standard Poor's and Moody's and Fitch's. And generally the way it works is if it's AAA, it means that it's great. Uh, you're a great person to lend money to, and they can do it at very low rates. And then you go down and down and down to AA, single A, triple B. Um, by the way, triple B is a big list of these. Somewhere between triple A and triple B, uh, is what we used to say in the business. Those were security, securities you could sell to widows and orphans. You know, probably nothing bad was going to happen there. And then you go down, and those are junk bonds. 
And then eventually you get to C, which means imminent default, and D, which is default. I think you can only be C for a couple of minutes. They call you and you're gonna pay that? No, boom, so it's that. <laughs> so you can see you're on both sides of that equation of borrowing and lending. Uh, and the reason everybody listens to the Fed so much, you're in DC, I mean, I think the best thing you could do is to go out and try to uh, befriend Jerome Powell. I don't know how you would do it, Matt, but you might just, you wanna become a squash partner, you wanna do something like that. <laughs> because if you knew where interest rates were going, you could be a very, very good investor. So, Because it's determining everything, Matt. It determines where the stock market's going. And basically, if you look at why the stock market's done so well since the financial crisis, it's mm -hmm. that rates are basically at zero. And, uh, and one, two things, think of it this way. If rates are zero, you're getting nothing on your money market fund, nothing on your bank CD, nothing on your bonds. So you tend to go into um, stocks. Mm -hmm. And so that pool of money pushes into the stock market away from everything else and prices go up. So when we've been talking about this, one of the things that I think you keep you know, hearkening back to is something that I'm a little familiar with, but you know much more about. Uh, the 80s was the last time we saw, was, it, was the Fed interest rate, was that in double digits then? What, what was that like in the 80s in terms of compared to now? Oh, yeah. The, you know, I got in this business in 1979. It was the end of the Carter administration, the beginning of the Reagan administration, and uh, mortgages were 18%. Um, it was just, it was crushing. Uh, I still have some form of PTSD from that period. And it's, um, <laughs> I'm always afraid of higher rates and higher inflation, even though it never happens. It's just, I have a fear of a lot of people are afraid of spiders. I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of higher interest rates. <laughs> Trade um, one for the other. Yeah, right, absolutely. And the thing about when you had those very high mortgage rates is you couldn't, if you had a mortgage, let's say you got it 10 years prior to that, you had like a 6% rate of uh, mortgage rate. Well, if you sold your house and bought another house, that might be good. Maybe it's getting a better house, but that mortgage ends when you sell the house. And you'd have to, at that point, go get another house with an 18% rate of interest on the mortgage. So um, I'll tell you, there's one story that, uh, where I really fell in love with the markets, really realized that this is all I wanted to do. I was 23 years old. Um, we had a an analyst coming in in Boston. We had to get there at like 6.30 in the morning to talk to him. And this, the analyst was recommending, and things were bad, 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 bad. And he came in to tell us that we ought to buy stock in Sherwin-Williams. That's before Home Depot and all that. And he explained that everybody was in these houses. They couldn't move. They had to stay in that house because they didn't want to go get a, a mortgage rate of three times what it is now. And they had to stay there. And basically his premise was that if they had to stay there, people were going to fix up those homes. There was all over America, there was like a spouse telling the other spouse, you know, Bob, if you don't paint the den, um, I'm leaving and I'm leaving the kids with you. So it's, uh, and sure enough, that stock went from 14 to 44 in a year and a half. And to me, it was like a religious experience. The, the clouds parted, the sun came in because I realized that no matter how bad things are, there's always someone benefiting. There's some mm. company and that changed everything for me, you know? And, uh, and when things are good, there's always somebody getting clobbered. So it's a, uh, it's a different. <laughs> and that's how you saw interest rates really manifesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. And right so, now we, you know, Jerome Powell, uh, you know, he get, and Alan Greenspan before him and Janet Yellen and, and uh, Ben Bernanke, when they testify in front of Congress or anywhere, if they're just ordering a sub sandwich at Subway anywhere, they, um, people are listening to every word and an inflection maybe. It's just incredible. And they go out of their way to speak in such a language that no one understands so that 
you know, nobody can really get uh, get too upset one way or the other. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, but it is. It's kind. Of, it's uh, It's pretty main. So they're setting that rate. Uh, but the and it sets the tone for the rest of uh, interest rates across the board. Uh, but it's a fascinating. And I will tell you something that the bond market. When I started out, we were on the stock market side with uh, Kidder Peabody in Boston, and we always felt that we were the geniuses, you know, because stocks had so many more components to them, and we had so many more variables, and we're smarter than those guys. And then when interest rates started to become volatile. The bond market became those people became much smarter than us, and we knew it. They were getting they were stealing physics professors from universities. It was like, whoa, all right, that, that I couldn't do that. So um, <laughs> I'll be so happy with stocks. So when when people are probably wondering, you're like, well, if if it makes it difficult for the markets, or if you see the markets going down when you start to raise interest rates, why would you raise interest rates at all? Absolutely, and I think this was the thing that. Uh, the Trump administration didn't get, you know, they said, you know, why don't you make interest rates zero? It's is negative, whatever you want, you know, we'll pay you to, uh, I'll pay you to put money in the bank. Um, and what that wasn't recognized is that the Fed interest rates, they are managing, a, they're on a tightrope because uh, they have two goals. They want to have the economy grow at a decent rate and they want inflation not to be higher than 2%. And that's where they determine that rate. And so it's not just free for all. Uh, there's a cost to having money too easy. The economy grows too quickly. It gets too hot. Inflation goes up and interest rates go up. So that's the big thing. They're trying to curtail um, uh, big rises in inflation. And inflation, by the way, I mean, once again, this PTSD problem I have in here is that um, uh, inflation is the enemy of financial assets. It is the it's the kryptonite of the market. So people don't want to see inflation. And that's the Fed's job is to, that's a very difficult balance. I do think, by the way, uh, it is crazy, they, you know, to politicize the Fed. I mean, we never knew who the hell the Fed was, right? I mean, 99% uh, yeah. of people, you know, and they recently gave a poll that 43% of Americans uh, were distrustful of the Fed. That was the most ridiculous number I've ever heard. Nine, 95% of the Americans think the Federal Reserve is a brand of whiskey. I mean, it's, uh, it's really not, there's just as no knowledge there. So, uh, so hard to believe that that many people think they're doing a bad job. So it's, yeah. I was going to say, it looked like Greenspan, Alan Greenspan, just my own, you know, uh, I guess, research on this. Alan Greenspan made it through several Republican, Democrat um, administrations. You had Bernanke that went through W into Obama, sure. and then uh, Yellen suddenly became this politician, although no previous uh, Fed head had been, you know, the, any bit political. So it, it was interesting to see that get politicized. And I'm sure if you were to ask or look at Janet Yellen versus, you know, Jerome Powell, they're probably about the same when it comes to policy, because I don't see many changes or anything. Absolutely. They've got... They have, that is their goal, growth without inflation. There's no, um, you know, they don't have any side bets or anything like that. That's what they, and theoretically, they don't care who's the president or who's running the Congress. That's their goal. And that's why they're an independent body. So the idea that President Trump was, you know, scorning the Federal Reserve at, you know, campaign rallies, I mean, it was just, it's just out of our minds that this was happening. So when we're talking about this interest rate, like we were saying, it's set by the Fed. And then that is the interest rate by which is the, the least amount, or, or sorry, the most that banks can trade within one another? Or loan yeah, money basically within it's another? a set rate that they, um, they would basically be able to borrow and lend from. Now, 
everyone is looking at the markets right now. They see them kind of going down. And we'll get to all of that, what happened this week in just a second. But um, based on, you know, hearing that interest rates are going up, it, you would think it was going from, say, 1% to 10%. Where are they going to? And why, even though it's small, is that a big deal? Well, percentage-wise, it's a huge deal. We started the year at 0.90%, and now we're at 1.75%, which is basically it's doubled. You know, I know these numbers seem like uh, digging around, but they've doubled, and that's changing the valuations of companies. It's also changing the way uh, which companies are going to be winners and which, which stocks are going to be losers. With very, very, very low interest rates, growth stocks do incredibly well. One reason is that in growth stocks, those are companies that aren't earning a lot of money now. What you're buying them for is you want a piece of those profits that may be five, 10 years out there. They're inventing stuff and moving. Whereas value stocks, which is uh, the stocks that pay dividends and all that kind of thing, they're paying, they're, they're profitable right now. And you're getting that money in the next couple of years, currently next year, one year, two years out. So um, it hurts growth stocks when interest rates are up because you're giving up a lot of potential earnings waiting for this big, big payoff at the end. And uh, this is the difference we've, we've seen. Been a huge shift. It, uh, the shift was basically right after the election, but I don't think it was actually tied to the election where all of a sudden small value cap stocks were in vogue. And I don't want to get too into the weeds, but I guess I, got, I have to ask, you know, you see these growth stocks and they're attractive because interest rates are low. What is it about the interest rates that makes those growth stocks attractive? Are, they, are those growth stocks borrowing money and therefore there's less that they have to owe because interest rates are low or is it something else? It's just that the, the payoff to the investor in terms of getting a piece of those profits is further out in the, uh, further out. It's, it's uh, you know, you look at companies like biotech stocks. Well, you know, right now they're just a bunch of guys and women with beakers, you know, and Bunsen burners somewhere, you know, they don't earn anything, but the payoff is probably way, way out there. And uh, you're losing a lot of, if interest rates go up, you're losing a lot of opportunity that you could have in a, in a bond, for instance, or a bank CD while you're waiting for that payoff. So that's, um, that, that's why those have done so well. And you look at it, interest rates have basically been, you know, it's really probably been at zero since the financial crisis. Uh, they've been very low all along, but in, oh, because you can remember the Fed only has a few arrows in their quiver and uh, to get, get the economy going and interest rates are basically it. So uh, one of the problems that people like me have is that when rates are very, very low, you start to think, geez, if it gets worse, they have no ammo left. You know, they can't lower rates anymore. So, and that's another thing the Fed's thinking. I would like to have some give in here if things start to fall apart. So we'll have to, we'll have to see, but, um, right. But interest rates are the, I mean, in terms of thinking about it, interest rates are the most important factor uh, in, the, in the stock market and certainly in the bond market. One of the things, by the way, Matt, is that people buy bonds and they think, oh, you know, they're holding to maturity, no problem at all. But they're very, they move up and down. The values of those bonds, first of all, they can be bought and sold. You buy a 30-year bond, that could be bought and sold a thousand times between the time you bought it and when it uh, matures. And the price of that bond that you could get out at varies a lot, a, a lot. When interest rates go up, that 3% bond becomes less and less and less um, valuable in the markets. And uh, when interest rates go down, that bond, uh, say the 3% bond, it becomes more and more and more attractive because you're getting a rate that isn't available anymore. And uh, 
Uh, so it's, people don't recognize that. In fact, I think you could argue that bonds are actually a scarier investment than stocks are. Really? Um, and, you know, most people don't, don't look at it that way. You know, you always hear people, you know, say, uh, oh, geez, my husband and I, we, uh, we're in long-term bonds because the stock market's too scary. And um, you think, oh, these are the same people are going to call their broker in six months and go, excuse me, what are those parentheses in my account? You know, so it is, uh, that is kind of honest. It's, it's just amazing. I think the reason people have such a tough time with financial investment information is people don't talk about it. You know, it's that old thing that, you know, people don't talk about money if you're a polite person, something like that. Um, and that's why they have trouble getting information. Yeah, they, they really don't. Now, for some reason, guys, I don't know why this is true. And this, is, this isn't a sexist thing it's, at all, but a certain uh, percentage of guys that just love to talk about money. And then, you know, I, I don't know who they, uh, you know, you know, I'll tell you something, Matt, this is something you would only learn if you were my age and been doing it so, for so long, is that you people, one of the things people brag about is how much money they lost. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but it's kind of a machismo thing. It's like, you know, I love lost a hundred thousand on that, you know, <clears throat> I'm still standing, you know, I must have a ton of money. <laughs> I swear this. Oh gosh. That's very odd because you would never hear a boxer saying I got knocked out in the second round, <laughs> but I held my own for two at least, you know, right. Yeah. It would... For 13 years I've been on the mat, but you know, I'm look at me. I got, I can't hear out of my left ear, but I'm fine, you know? And so, yeah, they, it's, um, <laughs> It's really a badge of honor. <laughs> so is there anything else you think that's important to know about interest rates or do you think we kind of covered everything? I think we got, we've really got it um, kind of down there. I think um, any more and you're starting to get too far in the weeds. I will give you something. It's going to sound esoteric, but I think it would be fun for people to know. It's something called the Fed model. And the Fed model, is, as it sounds, is the, the model the Federal Reserve used to determine how expensive the stock market and the bond market are. It's a very general kind of thing. And what it is, it's an equation. You take in the numerator, it's the earnings for the S&P 500, which now, right now, if that calculation is about 170. And the denominator is the price of the S&P 500, which is you know around 3,800 or so. If you take those two numbers, uh, right now it comes to like, I haven't done a reason, but say one and a half percent. If that rate is, um, let me, let me take that back. So you, that uh, so 170 in the numerator, uh, you've got about 3,800 in the denominator. When you do that, you get a, a percentage of like four and a half percent. Well, if that rate is higher, they call that the earnings yield, than what you could get on a 10-year treasury note, and stocks are more attractive than bonds are. Hmm. And that's um, you know, that's what a lot of people use. So, uh, and by the way, when you last thing on interest rates, Matt, is that when you hear rates quoted. It's always the rate of always the interest rate on the 10 year U.S. Treasury note. That's okay. what it is. And it rates all over the place, but that's the one they call, which is what we were just talking about 1.75%. Now, I want to get into which is going to all we've talked about today really goes right back into what happened this week in the market because we saw what so far I've seen three weeks of declines in the S&P and the NASDAQ. But also I started to see today that Dow's had a couple down days. What are you seeing in the markets? Oh, I'm seeing a lot of jitterness. Uh, and, and I think it's two reasons. It's it's interest rates uh, going, people going to go, how much higher they're going to go. Uh, the people I talk to say it won't raise, won't go much over 2% though. That's kind of where the, 
ceiling is. And at 2%, we can all get out of bed and buy stocks. I think we're, we're okay. But, um, and the other is, you know, I think we thought the pandemic was over about three or four weeks ago. And now, you know, it's rising again. And uh, particularly in certain parts of the country, but more importantly, in certain parts of the world. So we really thought we had this thing captured in a bottle and maybe we don't. Um, you and I are, see, I guess what, where we are medically is we can go to places and if we catch it, we won't get deathly ill. But mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a far cry from just letting everyone, uh, uh, you know, I'll tell you the difference between the country, yeah. Matt. Matt, you and I are baseball fans. In the new stadium in Dallas is wide open. They can mm -hmm. 60,000 people sit on top of each other's heads, do whatever you want to do, uh, get, get 15 beers. Fenway Park, where you know I grew up, is uh, it's little pods where you have little. You can buy uh, four tickets together for you and your three friends, and then there's a there's another acre, and you go over to right field, and there's another little pod. So you can see just nationally how different the rules are. Yeah. So it'd be, and you know those different rules are kind of a function of believing that the pandemic is behind us, and you know maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Yeah, I was going to say when you when you look at sort of. The, the, the market, obviously, interest rates are playing into it, but there's you can almost see the, the numbers going up and down based on what we're hearing about vaccines, the numbers of output, how well they're doing. It's a strange time to see healthcare playing such a, a large role in how the markets oh, do. Oh, yeah, that, was, that wasn't one of the variables we had you know, lined up for, uh, for stock market valuation. It is, uh, it is really something. It's what a, what a year. Of course, uh, Matt, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that a year ago, just about now, was the bottom of the market where mm -hmm. you know we thought you know pandemic i i appreciate what is it warren buffett said uh, never bet on the end of the world because everybody that has it has lost so far so that would be a good thing to have remembered a year ago but the market's up about 75 80 percent from there that's the most phenomenal year in the history of years mm -hmm. so it's um uh that's what you that's i mean when i look back at the last year a lot of turmoil and all that but that's the number that just jumps out at you yeah, and I think the interesting part is I remember uh, there were circuit breakers that were hitting around a year ago. That's what they called circuit breakers, where they yeah, yeah. the market kind of stopped the stop gaps. But even my the people I work with in news were having a hard time figuring out like what that meant, like what are circuit breakers. And I had to call a buddy of mine who's an investment banker and ask him because each one of the um, exchanges has its own circuit breakers. Is sort of how it works, I suppose. And it, it is. And, and you know what, Matt? That was good because that was the second person you called. The first one you called was your friend who was an electrician. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and got no information at all. <laughs> no, but he did have a really good deal on switches and a couple of light fixtures. And I was like, that's perfect. Um, you, everything works out. I think one of the things that I find the most interesting, and maybe no one else will, but I, I was thinking maybe as we look into like what we could do for next week, um, we have all these these exchanges. You know, you have your your New York Stock Exchange, but then you also have you know the Dow Jones Industrial, which is a co compilation of stocks. I was thinking what we would do next week is what is a stock exchange? Yeah, and you know, I think we could make it a little broader. Is kind of what are the indexes? Okay, what are know, the indexes? We, Let's do that. Yeah, and uh, and that would be uh, that would be great. You know, Matt, the uh, when I, I take my students to New York, I haven't been able to do that in a year, but we. We go and everybody wants to see the NASDAQ because that's where all young people's stocks are or whatever. And I always want to take them to the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And so we split up. And the New York Stock Exchange, if you go for a tour, it's not what it used to be. But you really do see booths and people walking around with tickets. And everybody wants to go to the NASDAQ. And it's just a beige box. It's just a computer. <laughs> I just think, you know, kids, I told you there was nothing there. Okay, you know. <laughs> 
So, so what's the what's the umbrella term for those? Are those called stock market indexes or just indexes? Yeah, just indexes because uh, you know some of them contain different kinds of uh, securities. Uh, but yeah, the most popular one is the S and P five hundred. So we'll next week we'll start with um, we'll start with those. There's several of them. Very cool. All right, hey Peter, thank you for joining us. I think we learned a lot. And next week we'll do what are indexes. I look forward to that. Thank you, Matt. Thank you all for listening at home too.